It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by a candidate for Congress in 2022 because it is midterm season. Brittany Ramos DeBarros is running in New York 11, which is Staten Island and a little bit of Brooklyn. We are very excited to talk to you this morning. Brittany, welcome to the show. How's the campaign going? Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty well, considering the conditions we're all living through right now. Uh, COVID winter plus campaign is not necessarily exactly how you want to be going out meeting the voters. How is the campaign going so far? You've been, you, you declared early. You declared in what, February of last year? That's right. We started early because there's a lot of work to do, you know, and I'm an I'm an organizer at heart. So this is a campaign of of community organizers. And we all said, let's just get out there and start putting in the work that's going to be necessary to really get our communities excited about the idea that we can have more when a lot of us have accepted or, or kind of bought into the idea that we can't. And so there's been a lot of momentum. It's been really exciting. We you know, we've raised almost half a million in grassroots funds. Um, which is pretty unprecedented for a candidate like me in the district. And we have several national endorsements. We've signed up over 400 volunteers. We've been canvassing weekly since April. And it's just incredibly moving and humbling to see the amount of enthusiasm that we've already been able to uh, to kick up in our different communities that I think have been hungry for a different strategy and a different path for this seat for a really long time. So one of the questions that comes up a lot when you have Democrats running in places that are pretty red is how do you win in those districts? Is the strategy to be loud and proud and progressive or to be like Republican light? Um, There's a big debate about that. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. think particularly in this district you're running in, uh, there's Mm -hmm. been a very lively (laughs) debate ongoing about that. Um, through a few different cycles. Um, how, or, what do you think? What do you think is, I mean, how are you approaching the race in, in, in that regard? And what do you think about this debate that Democrats should run away from progressive values in order to win in, in places where there's a lot of red red parts? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think my perspective and beliefs about strategy on this are really shaped by my personal experiences. I was raised in a Republican military family. I grew up in, for me, what that meant was, you know, kind of growing up with this sense of love for the values that we say America is supposed to be about that I think represent potential common ground in a lot of cases, these ideas of opportunity and service and equality. But I'm also biracial and I could see with my own eyes that the America that my white family was living in was just not the same as the America that my black Puerto Rican family was living in. And my parents also promoted this idea that if we, we, if we just work hard enough that we can all make it, we can, we can, you know, achieve great things. And yet I watched my parents and families all around us work incredible 
uh, amounts of you know labor, work so hard, work multiple jobs in many cases, and we were still constantly getting notices saying we were going to be kicked out of our home and our church friends brought us groceries to help us eat and get by sometimes and I knew that something didn't add up so. I ended up going to school on an army scholarship and by the time I graduated college in 2011 my worldview had changed like it does for a lot of us with education, um, but I deployed you know I became a platoon leader and an officer in the army responsible for 40 lives with deployment orders to Afghanistan in hand, and even then I still believed okay we need to make some changes but. Overall, I was a true believer. I thought I was going to protect Afghan people and fight for freedom and democracy and those same ideas I had taught to believe in and love. But when I got there, I saw corporations really running the show. I saw that we were so obviously doing more harm than good and just kind of adding to the violence. And I came home really angry, really hurt and confused. And, you know, fast forward to several years later after getting involved in economic and racial justice work in you know, major projects in our cities across the country, I started to see the, the ways that our systems actually work together to keep those divides in place um, that we say we're against. And I started realizing when Colin Kaepernick took an E that as a veteran, I had a, a I had power in my voice to tell the truth about my experience and a responsibility, I think, both to people overseas, to the values I, I took an oath to and to my own troops to tell the truth about the ways that, you know, war profiteering and these wars are actually hurting all of us. And we we deserve and we have the resources to really invest in our communities. So, you know, between about face veterans against the war and the poor people's campaign, I spent the next several years doing movement work until folks came to me and asked me to run. And so, you know, I've knocked doors for other candidates and I was surprised myself to hear that what you hear at the door so often is not, oh, this is too progressive or really anything about ideology. It's not really about left versus right what you hear is disillusionment you hear this hopelessness mm -hmm. that oh maybe that person sounds nice but someone like that can't win here this kind of feeling of we can't have nice things you know and <laughs> i was <laughs> i was shocked myself to learn you know not that long ago that actually there are thirty thousand more democrats in staten island alone than republicans and what, where are they I know exactly. That's the question I think we need to be asking. And, you know, district wide, there's almost double the number of Democrats than conservatives uh, or than Republicans. And yet, you know, we had a Democrat, a conservative Democrat, lose mm -hmm. the district, underperform Biden even in, in our district mm -hmm. and lose the district by more than 10 points. And you know, this last cycle to a Trump Republican. And so I think to me, this question of strategy that keeps coming up is we don't have a choice anymore. We've done the thing where we try to peel off conservative voters, where we have Democrats running pro-Trump ads, you know, running on these like conservative ideas, trying to court Republicans. And what we've seen is that that causes the depression and alienation of, of our own base, which is actually yep. the majority. Yep. And so we started early so that we could do that work to really instead be bold, be honest and say, you know, this campaign I'm, you know, I, I'm an exciting candidate to a lot of people. My mom thinks I'm special, but like this campaign isn't really <laughs> about me. You know, it's not, it's about us. And it's about this idea that actually we've been told for so long, we're not powerful, but we do have the power and we are literally already the majority if we decide to come together and flex that power. I mean, this is, this is like my whole jam because yep. I'm obsessed, <laughs> I wrote a whole book, uh, I wrote a whole book about this idea because I, I'm a little obsessed with, the, with 
the ignoring the base at your peril, particularly because the demographic shifts we're living through um, mm-hmm. all over the country. And a lot of what's happening is a response to that and a backlash to that. But I think that bending over backwards to try to get votes of people who, you know, harbor maybe racist views about um, certain certain other groups of people, um, you know, have have positions on certain policies that are just like morally objectionable. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand why we bend over backwards to try to get them to vote for us when we could just lean into the things that will, I don't know, maybe help them in their life and maybe they'll reassess their political positions because, you know, we're giving them more money in their pockets, whether that be the child tax credit or something like that, right? Can we, can, can you talk about substantively, like how we can message, um, into the 2022 midterms and how do you plan to message you know the benefit of voting for you and the progressive um policies that you support and how that will tangibly help people versus you know a mushy middle of the road person who wants republicans to like them when in this current moment the republicans aren't what they used to be i mean i think it's it is a, a unique opportunity to lean into the progressive stuff but how do you plan on messaging that? Because Democrats always get a, a lot of criticism for their inability to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that I, I say a lot that I try to remember myself is that sometimes I think we do this thing where we tell ourselves that the narrative battle is on ideology. And and therefore we overemphasize all of the all of this jargon, all of these ideological concepts, because those are the things that excite those of us who are issue nerds, right? Advocacy mm-hmm. nerds around all of the details of these things and why these things are so important. But I think that we miss sometimes that actually our own our own story, our own narrative and talking points often remind all of us that a lot of these policies are already very popular. Medicare for all, for example, is very popular in my district and across the country, <laughs> these other things, right? So actually it's important for us to remember that that's not really where the narrative battle is. For me, I'm so clear, you know, from knocking doors in the district, from talking to people, we've surveyed hundreds of residents across the political spectrum and across the district. And what we just see validated over and over again is that the real barrier is that people have been told for decades over and over again, again, that we can't win, that even if your heart is with someone like me or a platform like ours or the movement that we're building, that that's unreasonable, quote unquote, right? Or that's unrealistic. And so I think that the real battle is making the case for why this is very realistic, right? Which is why I always go, I probably emphasize strategy more transparently um, and more constantly than maybe is is considered normal, but it's because <laughs> to me it is, it's this, it's this cry that says, let's build this together because we already have the power. Um, and it sounds so cheesy, but it's about hope, right? It's so many of us feel so disillusioned, feel hopeless. And the reality is, is that, you know, people in my district, there's this tendency to conflate, I sometimes, I think sometimes true conservatism with what is often anti-establishment sentiment. So many people, mm-hmm. probably one of the most popular political sentiments actually in Staten Island is, is a sense of, of frustration and disillusionment with both political parties. 
And I think sometimes, you know, Democrats don't want to acknowledge that, don't really want to admit that there is a real dynamic of people not showing up, not turning out, not getting excited because there's not an agenda to get excited about, or there's not candidates to get excited about, or we're not putting in the work to really organize around a vision. So, you know, that's something I think we have to be really honest about. We have to validate that people feel those ways for good reasons. And there's a difference between people who, you know, are kind of fiercely identifying as independents or saying that, you know, they don't want to register for all of these reasons because they feel like none of these parties are fighting for them. I think the strategy has been to try to argue with them and to try to make these cases about either lesser evils about or about all the the policy and ideology, but the ideology won't matter if people don't believe that you're going to deliver or if people don't believe that you can win. So I, you know, all of this is not to say that we shouldn't find common ground. You know, we're looking to build a broad and diverse coalition. You know, I am always looking to figure out how can I meet people where they are? How can we build bridges? But I try to start from the place of of where people are already at and what the things that people are already, uh, you know, feeling fired up about, which, believe it or not, in Staten Island is often things like environmental justice, the realities of flooding that are impacting all of us that are really cross cutting across the political spectrum, the need to address the war on drugs and the overdose epidemic, the housing issues that we have that are that are frankly just horrifying if you, if you really get into what's going on in a lot of yes. our housing. <laughs> so I can go on and on if y'all let me, but I'll no, stop I, there. There's just so much. <laughs> my, my family has actually lived a couple of places in the district that you would be representing, both in the Bay Ridge area of Brooklyn and then for a very brief stint on the Isle of Staten itself. Um, I feel like I could describe this district six different ways and leave you with six entirely different impressions of what it is. Like I can tell you it's Wu-Tang. I can tell you it is the largest growing Muslim population in New York City. I can tell you that it is predominantly Latino. I can tell you it's where all the cops and firefighters live. And you will walk away with four completely different ideas of what Staten Island is, like what the New York 11th district is. All They're true. all happening at the same time. Um, how? How do you do you how do you message to a district that diverse with that many different competing cultures with that many um, with that many different voices and that many different needs or or are the needs more similar than than might immediately be apparent? Yeah, I think the 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 needs are more similar than than people would think, and I think that that's what I'm trying to get at is even people who would identify you know, with different political parties or, or say that they're conservative. There are so many people who have reached out to me and said, thank you for telling the truth. Thank you for speaking up about this thing that's impacting my family. And there are so many issues that are not these like esoteric kind of academic ideas, but are the things that are pain points that all of us are experiencing every single day. And so when we talk about this, one is I just say that this is why the, the strategy of kind of trying to ride the middle and try to kind of be all things to all people just doesn't work. It's failed us repeatedly. Um, and I think that it's it's better to just keep it real in a district like this with that much diversity and with people coming and, and it's still being New Yorkers who 
who really have a low tolerance for bullshit. <laughs> and yeah, I identify true, with yeah. that. So, you know, it's like, just keep it real. I feel like Staten Island is the kind of place where people would rather like have a shouting match where you curse each other out, but like walk <laughs> away respecting each other because you kept that. it real with each other than feel like you're just kind of saying a bunch of things that they want to hear and pandering, right? And so I think that that's another mistake and, and a choice that we've made is I'm not out here trying to act like I'm some kind of picture perfect polished cardboard cutout of a candidate right i i curse like a sailor i you know get kind of wild sometimes i but i'm honest you know and i want people to know that we can speak on a human level on a neighbor level um about the real things that are affecting our communities and to me the framework for that again is not really red versus blue in a place like ours it's not really republican democrat because people feel let down on all ends of the spectrum, it's really about right versus wrong. It's wrong that we have an entire building of families that has not had cooking gas since March with no end in sight in subsidized housing. That in the wealthiest city on the face of the planet, that's wrong. That's not about Democrat or Republican, that is wrong, right? And it's about top versus bottom. It's about making sure that the ultra wealthy and the corporations don't get to drive the priorities and that they don't get this outsized control and that they pay their fair share and that our collective resources, our tax dollars are actually going back into the things that we need to fix our housings. You know, we don't have a single public hospital. We there's we need right, to right. upgrade our infrastructure, right? All of these things that people see every single day. And I think stepping outside of those kind of sometimes false spectrums or frameworks that are that I think do more to divide us while still keeping it real, right? While not trying to do this thing where we're kind of being the least common denominator, but we're boldly standing in the light of the truth and saying, join me, join us. We can have more, we can have better. And if people hear that and they want to, where can they go to find you? Sure. Our website is BrittanyForCongress.org. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. Our social media is all Brit for Congress, B-R-I-T-T, number four Congress. Um, and on our website, you can donate, you can sign up to volunteer remotely or in person. There's so many different ways to get involved. We're going to be up against a lot of corporate interests already. Um, like I said, we're not taking any corporate PAC money. So this is really a by the people for the people campaign. Uh, but I really think that we can win, um, but it's going to be all hands on deck. So we need your help. Brittany ramos Tabaros, thank you so much for joining us this morning and best of luck on the campaign trail. Thanks so much for thank having so me. Much. Take care. Anytime. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.